Well, it is such a privilege to be able to be together with you today. I thank God for the opportunity to be at Bethany Wesleyan Church right here in Cherryville, Pennsylvania. Aren't you glad God knows where we are today? And you get a witness in the house. Thank you, Jesus. He knows where we are, and he knows where you are, and he knows what's going on in your world and in your life. And I thank God that he's not surprised by anything. He is not overwhelmed by anything. You might be. He's not. He knows all about it. And I thank him for his work among us uh, today. I also want to congratulate Alicia Rudell. She raised about $85,000, $87,000 for cancer research. She won first place in the area. Stand up. Patrick, stand up. Honored as outstanding citizen in our region, and we thank God for that, and that's a great honor to be. And uh, Michaela, uh, you're, getting a scholarship. you're giving a scholarship to her, right? Pretty good size one? Yeah. How much you giving? <laughs> Is it going to be a, something like two, three, four thousand maybe? Actually, maybe a little more. Just a little bit. Stand up. You're going to Southern Wesleyan University. We're proud of you. Thank God for you. Since she's been a little kid, little kid, she's had uh, God awareness in her life. And I'm not surprised one bit God's calling you toward ministry uh, because I saw it then. And uh, one day my daughter was up here teaching at Bethlehem Christian when they had a campus here. And uh, my daughter was teaching. She was in kindergarten. She walked right through the door and she looks up at me and said, Mitch, better up. <laughs> she said, I just want to tell you your daughter's doing a great job. I thought you might want to know that. <laughs> I love you, Michaela, and the whole tribe there. You've got a beautiful family. You should have a dozen more. So it's wonderful. Well, we have had some wonderful people uh, with us online today. Dave in southwest Pennsylvania, Chris in Leah Township, Wayne and Lillian over in Northampton, Tammy in Missouri, Jackie in Whitehall, Don in Georgia, uh, Pat from Walnutport, Doris from Cherryville, Chi Chi from Easton, Vicki in Missouri, Sandra in Monroe, North Carolina, Cheryl in uh, uh, Mullica Hill, New Jersey, Peggy from Olathe, Kansas, Ann in Norfolk, and that's just a few because we usually have several hundred every Sunday that watch us. Would you welcome the ones that are joining us online today? Well, I thank God for what he's doing and what he is all about, and uh, we're in a message series on walking with Christ. And you know, we're kind of looking at the fundamentals of the faith, really, if you will, and I just felt a reset was what we needed right now because we're in uh, such a turbulent time in our world and we've had so many goofball things happen along the way. It's kind of like, wait a minute, let's make sure that we're on solid footing. And that's the idea behind this message series. And today we're talking about spiritual gifts, using my gifts for the purposes of God. Now, some of you have birthdays coming up and you're probably going to get a gift. You may not even like the gift you get because the older you get, sometimes you don't even really want to remember birthdays. But you're going to probably get a gift. At Christmas time, your family probably celebrates some kind of gifts, and you probably received one or two along the way. You might also get gifts for something else in life. I remember whenever I was in grade school, I uh, had a reading assignment, had to read a lot of books, and so I was trying to do whatever I could, you know, to get the books read and to do my thing. And I hated reading outside of school because I don't think a teacher ought to give homework to take home. I think if you six, seven hours a day, it ought to be enough. And if they can't tell you then, it shouldn't be said. So... That's how I feel about it. Uh, don't know that Southern Wesleyan endorses that, but that's how I feel about it. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to look at my brother Heath over here right now. But anyway, uh, 
I was home, and it was a weekend, and I needed to read through this book on sequoia trees. Man, I was having trouble reading that book. My dad knew I didn't like to read. He knew I wanted to be outside playing because I love to play and do stuff like that. Who doesn't? And he came to me, and he said, hey, Kev, he said, tell you what, I, I got this knife as a gift this week at work. It was about a four-inch knife. He said, if you finish that book this weekend, I'm going to give you this knife. And I'm like, oh, 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 oh. I had never been knifed before, so I thought, well, maybe that would be something I want. And so I went in the other room. My mom and dad were in the kitchen. I went in the other room, and I started reading. I went through page one, boom, page two, boom, page three, boom. Kept reading until I finally came to the end of the book. Bam. Shut that thing, went into the other room, and said, I read that book. He said, did you really read it? What's it about? So I started telling him a little bit about the tree, something I had learned. And uh, we had a good discussion. He got up from the kitchen, walked into his bedroom, pulls open the top dresser drawer, grabs out that little knife, come back in the other room and said, I said, I'd give it to you. Here it is. Here's how it works. Now, one thing that we did, it was kind of cool. We went outside and got a maple branch about that long, about as big around as my finger. And the sap was just right. He went an inch in on that branch. It was this long, an inch in, and he cut a, cut a line all the way around it. And then he started twisting it with the sap just right. You can ease that bark off. And then he cut a flat spot all along that remaining inch there. And then he slid that bark back onto that. So now he, he cut a notch in the top. And he said, blow on that. I blew on that for the first time, blew on a maple whistle. Didn't even know you could make one like that. But now I had a knife and I knew how to use it and to do some stuff like that. Do you realize your heavenly father in heaven wants to use you and me and he wants to give us gifts and graces, and this is what he does for us. And today, this message is centering on this, and it doesn't matter what station you are in your life, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey of faith, God comes along and he says, hey, I want you. I want you to be on my team. I want you to be in the lineup. You don't have to just sit on the sideline always, but at different points, he brings you onto the field and he has you do something. It may be something big, it may be something medium, it may be something really small. The other day I was reading the obituaries from the hometown I grew up in and uh, checked in to see uh, just some of the people. And I saw that one of my classmates when I was a kid in school, her dad passed away. Now, I didn't know that Johnny, that was her name, I didn't know that the Houston family were Christians. I knew he worked in cattle sales, but I didn't have a clue that they were Christian people. And uh, sure enough, as I read down through the obituary, it says that he and his wife, Johnny's dad and mom, that they taught the young married couples class for a number of years at their church, and they really influenced a lot of people. Well, they influenced that small group, so we would probably say that was pretty much an impact on a small group. So that might be a smaller impact, but it was an impact. And then when you read in the Bible at different stories and different biblical accounts, in Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, second book, chapter 35, you read down in there, and it says that Moses is leading the people to build their worship center. He's build, they're building the tabernacle for God. And while he's leading them, he needs some people that are smart about it, some people who are capable about it. And the scripture said, by the time you get down to about verse 34 or 35, it says that the Lord chose Bezalel. That's a name for your parakeet. Or maybe you want to use it for your dog. Or they're bringing back old names. There's one. The scripture says he was filled with the Spirit of God. And God filled Aholiab. That's another name. Pretty cool. I wonder how, what they would call him for short. O-H, maybe I could just call him O. Anyway, he was filled with all kinds of skills, building skills, ability, and knowledge of all kinds of crafts. 
And listen to this, and he had the ability to teach other people. You know, it's one thing to know something, it's another thing to be able to teach somebody and to impart something into their life and to give them the capacity. In chapter 36 of Exodus, verse 4, it says, when they joined all the craftsmen together, they were constructing the place of worship. All of them came together and they built the beautiful place of worship. Well, that would be a regional impact. So we have the small impact, we have the regional impact, but then the scripture talks about a, a great magnanimous impact. You remember whenever Joseph was given a coat of many colors? Then his life seemed to go bad from there, right? He's in prison. He is messed with in different places. He's a slave. He's a servant. He has all these things happen to him that are all bad. One day the king needs a dream interpreted. Joseph was the only person that could interpret it. We're going to have seven good years. We're going to have seven bad years of famine. I mean, we need rain. Pastor Justin prayed for it a while ago, and we all believed together. We need rain. We don't just need rain. We need rain, man. And we need some rain to come. And so they were going to have seven years of famine. And so he was able to interpret this dream for the, for the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh says, well, I'm going to put you in charge of everything. So they put him in charge of everything. So he guided the people through all of the uh, seven years of abundance. He guided them then through the years of famine. He had saved up in the abundance and was able to feed them in the famine. That is a national impact. They have a great big impact that affected a bunch of people and their neighbors next door. So if you'll listen fast today, I want to talk to you about four ways that God uses our spiritual gift to show us how we can move from the ordinary living to effective, purposeful living. And let me give you a little motor illustration here, basically, that you can take with you all the time. I'll use myself as an example. You use yourself. Think about how God uses you. One of the ways God uses me is to encourage other people. It is a gift of encouragement. And I like to encourage people. I like to make them feel better about themselves than they did when I first saw them. And so I like to be an encouragement to somebody. A number of years ago, God put a person on my life. He was a pastor friend. And I didn't know a whole lot about his life and a whole lot about his upbringing and a whole lot about his story. But we exchanged phone numbers and all this kind of stuff. So something happened. Occasionally, God would bring him to my mind. His name was Dwight. God would bring him to my mind. I would get on the phone, and I would call him up at random odd times. It might be 5.30 on a Tuesday night, and I would have such a burden for him. I'd pray for him. i call him up a number of times, and i said, Dwight, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I'm just calling you to pray for you and encourage you. You're not alone. You're not forgotten. Keep going. God knows where you are. And he would say to me on multiple occasions, you don't have a clue what was happening in my life. How could you have known that I was headed into a meeting I was dreading, had a problem I didn't know how I was going to solve, going to meet with some people that aren't always easy to meet with, and you called me just before I went into that meeting? Ladies and gentlemen, I had no clue. That's when God takes a gift that is normal every day, three o'clock, anybody could have, and he supersizes it, puts it on steroids through the Holy Spirit, and gives you a moment of discernment where you say, hey, my friend needs me. I'm going to call my friend right now, drop what I'm doing, inconvenience him. If I get him out of supper, I don't care. I'm just letting you know. God loves you. God cares for you. And God knows where you are. You know what? I grabbed out my phone this morning and I text 10 ministry leaders that I know. And I text every one of them. And I gave them a word from the Lord of prayer and encouragement to tell them that God was on their side. They're on God's side. Go in victory, shoulders back, head high. Know that you're going to make it. One of them shot a note back and said, you don't have a clue how bad I needed that message this morning from you. Thank you. I'm getting ready to go into warfare because the message I have today is so difficult. And I just want to tell you that God wants to use every one of us 
in some way to make a difference for, for others and for his kingdom. First of all, look at the process for giving these gifts. God prepares our heart. A couple Sundays ago I preached and I had three diagrams up here. One was a heart that was not yet, had not yet received Christ. That would be an unsaved heart, a person who is not born again, a person who has not trusted Christ, their life is filled by sin. They're kind of working it out themselves. So we talked about that kind of a heart. And then we talked about a restored heart. This is when somebody confesses their sin, Christ comes into their life, forgives their sin as if they'd never happened, cleans up their life, he makes them new, and he gets them going in the right way. Then it continued on, and we talked about a righteous heart. And the righteous heart is whenever we're just saying yes to God no matter what. No matter what he asks us to do, no matter where we are, we're just saying, yes, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, however you want me to lead. Pam and I were over at a a restaurant one day, and we were sitting there, and the waitress came over, and we engaged in conversation, and we began to talk to her about something because we felt prompted to do it. We just started talking to her. I had never seen that girl before. Pam had never seen that girl before, but God had known that girl since she was knit together in the mother's womb. And we talked to her and listened to what God was saying. And before long, she came back over to our table a couple of times, said, can I ask you some questions? And she started asking us questions about how to do life and how, how, how things work out if you follow Christ. That's what it's about is to be available to God. We weren't loud. We didn't embarrass her, but we did not avoid that moment. Whenever we knew she needed help, we just spoke out into her life and said, hey, that's an obedient heart. Now, the doctor, Dr. Gary Chapman is known for the five love languages, but tell you what, he has some other writings too. He's a minister, and he said this. He describes humility as stepping down so someone else can step up. And you know, that's really what it is in our life. We step down off the throne of our life. Oh, yes, we can make the choices. We, we, we still have discretion over that. We're not a zombie or a robot. But we, we just step down and say, God, I'm giving you the throne of my heart. Jesus, this is yours. Holy Spirit, lead me in the way you want me to go. And he'll do that. You see, God's looking for available hearts. Do you have an available heart for God? Do you have something ready for him? The Holy Spirit sees you moving toward God and your willingness to do God's purpose. And what he does, he'll activate a gift in your life. And he'll use you in some way. And this is seen in the Bible. When you open up your Bible and you look in there with what is going on, you come across the story of Noah. You remember God said to him, build a boat. He looked like a nut job. They hadn't had rain forever. God said, build a boat. He's probably telling people what rain even was. And he is saying, yeah, God's going to send. Well, he did what God wanted him to do. And he was able to save humanity. God used him for that. And then you think about Joseph. We just talked about him. He was able to lead the people through the famine, saved his nation. Incredible thing. And then we think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. The angel said, God wants you to have this baby. You're highly favored. She says, really? Me? Okay. May it be to me as you have said. You see, God used people then. God uses people now. And God wants to use you, ladies and gentlemen, in ways that are making a a big difference in the life of somebody else. Now, another thing we have to do, we have to acknowledge that God has given us gifts. Some people can just kind of in their humility and attempt at being humble will say, well, I really don't have any gifts. God really didn't give me any gifts. Well, I don't think that's quite accurate because God makes no junk and you're not a second-class citizen. God has no stepchildren. We're all adopted into the family of God. These gifts are more than just talent. Billy Graham said this and I thought it quite helpful. He said, you can't draw a sharp line between spiritual gifts and natural abilities. Sometimes God gives both. And God always is the author of it all. But it appears that God can sometimes take a talent and transform it by the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, and make it into a spiritual gift. And I think that's what's happened. 
God takes some ordinary gift and ability sometimes that we have or maybe imparts something, gives us something fresh and new and he touches us in our life and he says, I'm going to give you this. Now Hudson Taylor was a missionary. It means he goes overseas and he teaches people about Jesus and he said this. He said, I used to ask God to help me. Come on, Jesus, help me, you know. He was doing that. Then I asked if I might help him. Do you want me to help you out some way? And then he said, I ended up by saying, God, just work through me. Now, I've got a piece of conduit up here. Everybody say conduit. And you're awake. Now, what God wants to do is to roll through you, and he wants you to be a blessing. So it's kind of like this ball. He's saying to you maybe, you know, give somebody uh, $100, and you, you had a gift of making money. You worked a lot of overtime. You don't even need the money. You don't need the overtime. God just helped you. He blessed you. And so he wants you to do that. So what's he, want? he wants to flow through your life, and he wants to give it. So there you go, Andrea. There you go. Sherry got that one. Sherry got you $100. You missed it. <laughs> and then God wants you to give some word of encouragement to somebody, and so you're giving some word of encouragement to somebody. There you go. You didn't see that one coming, did you? I didn't either. Um, and, then, and then maybe God wants you to do something else. And so you, you do something as simple as maybe as teach a Sunday school class. It's not really simple, but you say, okay, God, I'll do that. Or maybe you do something like Bill Jones did the other day, and you drop out a parsonage where we had some serious septic issues, and he was able with his masterful, like the opening illustration, use his genius, because he is a genius, to come into the situation and correct it where it didn't smell like things it shouldn't smell like anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. And so he used his gifts and abilities. Now, sometimes what happens? Here's what happens. Here's what happens. We start making excuses. Well, I can't really do that. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't have what happened. We say all that stuff. Kind of like Moses. You remember Moses? God comes to him and said, hey, Mo, I want you to lead the children of Israel and Moses said, I, 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 I don't talk, 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 talk too good. Remember that? God said, throw down your stick, turns into a snake. God says, pick it up. Doesn't say it, but I think it should have, could. I mean, maybe Moses had this thought, I'm sure. I don't speak, 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 speak. I don't speak, 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 speak too good. Now I can't hear, hear too good. I ain't picking that up. <laughs> and God said, pick that up. He picks that up and turns right back into a rod. We make those excuses and we miss the blessing because what happens is if you'll stay open, God will keep using you. And one of these days as you keep joining hands with God, come on somebody, you keep joining hands with God, you're going to make an impact and you look at your life later on and you say, I can't believe God ever chose to use me to make a difference like that. Sending cards, sending texts, sending a few dollars along the way, baking a pie, going over and helping somebody with something. Are you kidding me? Can I get a witness in the house somewhere? Good preaching, Kev. Keep going, baby. And down in Florida in St. Augustine, they had a bunch of seagulls flying around, as they do all over Florida. But they had a fishing industry there. And the fishermen would get their nets and they'd throw the scraps out, and the gulls would just come down and eat them. Well, then the fishermen move over to Key West. So when they move over to Key West, the gulls are still there. And they started having problems, and they started getting sickly. You know why they started getting sickly? Because they had forgotten how to use their gift of fishing. And now they're getting sick, and they were in trouble. And that happens to us. We don't want that to happen. And there's another thing I notice about this. We need to be available for God to use his gifts in you. Be available for God to use his gifts in you. 
follow this progression, Jesus was sent to earth by God. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. He's sent to earth. Jesus, while he's here on the earth one day in John 4, the people wanted to give Jesus something to eat, and he says, well, really, he says, the food's important, thank you for that, but he says, really, it is my will to do the will of him who has sent me and to finish his work. I'm really here to do what he wants me to do on this earth right now. And the Holy Spirit then is sent by Jesus because Jesus has to go back to heaven. The disciples didn't want him to go back to heaven. They want him to stay here, right? He has to go back to heaven. What did he go to heaven for? Because he finished his assignment here. What was his assignment here? To live among us, to die, to go on the cross, to go in the grave, to come out of the grave in resurrection, to let us know that the teachings he had given us are true. God is real. God offers salvation to everybody. He goes back to heaven. What's he doing now? Your Bible says in John 14 that he is preparing a place in heaven for all who trust in him. He is getting a place ready for you. This is absolutely magnificent. And he's doing another thing the Bible says. He's making intercession for us. When we gathered up here for prayer and wherever you were praying a while ago and anytime you lift a prayer driving down the road, he is hearing that prayer and he's sorting it out to the Father as to what ought to happen with your prayer. Now, when he went back, he said, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse seven, Jesus says this. It's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, speaking of the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says this. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be my witnesses. So the Holy Spirit, when he comes into our life, he activates gifts and abilities. He cleanses us. What does he do then? He shines the light of Christ through us because he's, his job is to lift up Jesus Christ. And he lifts up Jesus Christ, the one who saves everybody, the one who is preparing a place for the one who is interceding. And you know what else Jesus is doing? One day he's waiting because when he gets a signal, he's coming back to get those of us that have trusted in him. I cannot wait. And then in John chapter 14, verse 17, it says this. Jesus says, you're going to know the Holy Spirit because he will be in you. He will be with you. He lives within us. This is powerful. So Jesus had an assignment. The Holy Spirit's assignment is happening right now to fill the hearts of everyone who trusts him. But you have an assignment, and I have an assignment. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 puts it this way. For you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I mean, look at that pedigree. Are you kidding me? You are God's workmanship. You thought you just came from your mom and dad, but let me tell you something. He's been working on you, as Gaither said, to make you what you ought to be. Took him a week to build a moon star, all that kind of stuff, but he's still working on you and me. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not only has he been working on us, but he's been preparing these in advance. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 11 puts it this way. All these are the work of one. All these gifts are the work of one, the same spirit. And he distributes to each one just as he determines. Every one of us has a part in the body of Christ. Listen to this. Your heart right now has a, has a real mission and function. Can I get a witness? Say yes. You know, your brain has a real function right now, right? Your leg has a function. Kidney has a function. Stomach has a function. Innards have, everything has a function. Blood, everything has a function. You take, you take a, your tool shed. If you have a few tools somewhere hanging on a wall, you've got a hammer. You've got a screwdriver. You have some pliers. 
The hammer thinks every problem is a nail and it runs around hitting people. Screwdriver just turns around and around and around. Looks like it isn't going anywhere. Crazy. But all of them have a part. All of them play a part. You know what? Go back to my opening illustration. Whether you feel like you have a small contribution to the kingdom of God or a medium contribution or a great big one, let God keep score. He keeps score. And you don't have to keep score. Just let him keep score. Just keep doing what he's saying to do. Be the conduit. Let him keep working through you. You're on God's team and he knows what he's doing. Jenny Thompson, a name you probably heard of a few years ago, she won a bunch of gold medals in swimming. She won eight gold medals and a couple other medals besides that. It was incredible, right? Hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. But people didn't know if she ought to be really honored as an American hero because she did not win any individual gold medals. All of her gold medals are on teams. Are you kidding me? Such ego we have in America. Goofball thinking. And in here and in this room, you know what? It doesn't matter who does what as long as all of us do whatever God wants us to do. You can't improve on the will of God. (laughs) And you do whatever he wants you to do, wherever he wants you to do, whenever he wants you to do it. He'll provide the resources, the people, the timing, everything is necessary to accomplish the will of whatever it is he has called you to do. Just go ahead and release yourself to his embrace. Let him use you in however he wants and to do something great. Now let's look at the probable gifts as we start winding down a little bit more on this message. The probable gifts that he's going to give to us, the Bible and the reading that they gave in an excellent reading just a little bit ago, They talked about three different types of gifts. These gifts would be what are called the gifts of ministry, and then their gifts of manifestation, their gifts of motivation. But I also believe God can use whatever He wants and turn it into a gift within our life. He has the ability to do that. So we're not going to unpack all the gifts in this message. It's not the purpose. But just to say to you that God uses all kinds of things. J.I. Packer said it this way. Among the variety of God's gifts... Some are natural abilities and character qualities that are sanctified, while others correspond with nothing that was previously seen in a person's life. So you may have received the gift of whatever it is he gave you in a moment that you didn't even anticipate and know that you had have it, but he needed you to have it. And whatever it is, he has given it to you. And these gifts are always given, not to bring confusion, but to bring about symphony in the body of Christ and to call the body of Christ up to a level that honors God, to a level that honors Jesus Christ and makes him the centerpiece of it all. And I read about a minister who was a very wonderful, uh, and he wasn't a minister, he was a lay person, was a very wonderful person at a church. And he went over to see his mechanic and his mechanic was a wonderful guy and a great mechanic. And the mechanic looked up at him after a while and he said, I think I'm called to preach. Now the wonderful elder from the church knew this guy had problems being bashful in front of people and could not speak well in front of others. And he looked back at him and he said, do you think people have a call to listen to you preach? Mm. Maybe God wasn't calling that dude to preach after all. Maybe he was just willing to do what God wanted him to do. And that would include preaching if God said You see, a lot of times there'll be some people in your life that will affirm you and come around you and speak life into you for whatever gift it is that God gives into your life. Now, let me give you an illustration. A couple weeks ago, we had Pastor Kathleen Dieter come over here. She grew up in this church since she was born. So she had spent several years in this church and so most of her life and a wonderful lady. 
She taught at Bethlehem Christian School for a number of years and did excellent in their field of music primarily, and she was a wonderful teacher of that. She felt like she was coming to the end of her time there, and she was getting restless but didn't know what God was doing. God opened up a door for her to come work here at Bethany Wesleyan. She first came over here as as a secretary for the student ministries and for the worship arts ministry. So she was a secretary to those two areas of ministry. She sat in that role admirably. And then one day, the music minister uh, left, moved on. And I remember calling her on a Friday night and said, we need, we, need a, we need a music minister on Sunday morning. We need you to, would you be willing to do that? We, we just need you. And then I talked to her. She said, oh yeah, I'll help you this weekend. So I talked to her and then I said, we, we need you for at least a two-year commitment. Seven years later or so, uh, nine years, who's counting? Uh, she did a great job. And then we said to her one time, we said, we need you to do some discipleship work at the church. We need you to learn about membership and baptism and all these kinds of things. Would you, would you uh, now shift off music and do that? She says, whatever we need, that's what I'll do. She did that. She didn't ask to. She didn't hand me a resume. She didn't put a note under my door. She didn't send me an email, didn't send me a text. She just said, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. So she began to learn what she needed to for premarital counseling, for membership class, for baptism, teach, all that stuff. And she did all those things. And then we said, wait, we're launching a campus over here in Palmerton. And she didn't say, ooh, ooh, ooh. Nope, she didn't. We, we need a campus pastor over there. She was listening to us as we prayed about it, and we felt that she was the one to go. And we said to her, would you be able to go over there and be the campus pastor? She said, if that's where you need me, if that's what God's called me, I'll pray about it. I think that's what he's saying. Through you guys, I trust, and I'll go over there and do it. Now, she didn't have a clue about what her future would be. She said yes all the way to God, letting her gifts and graces unfold. And God just magnified those gifts and graces. She's excellent. And then her daughter and son-in-law moved down to Florida and they have a little grandson about three years old or whatever. And then her daughter says, yeah, we're going to have another child. Hmm. Dave's getting closer to retirement. He's not quite there. Kathleen's a few years younger than him. He married a very young person. But... uh, so she's a few years, she's not ready to retire. They're landing down there about 15 minutes from Brooksville, which is a retirement village of the Wesleyan Church. They just got a new pastor down there. I caught wind of what was happening down there and directed her toward a general superintendent. He had just been down there. Directed her over to Pastor Wood, who had just been down there. I told her that guy's going to fill up his, the pastor down there. Uh, Pastor Morris, he's going to fill up his roster of staff pretty soon. Why don't you, if you go down there, why don't you just check in with him and tell him you might have some availability in the near future? Because she told me recently, she said, I'm going to move down there a year from now. I said, okay. But I told her, you probably shouldn't wait a year to tell him you're going to be coming down. You all just go tell him. Okay. So she put her resume together. I put together a meaningful cover letter, given a journey of what I just shared with you and her willingness, her attitude, excellence in what she did. She went down there and talked with a guy, and he says, we're going to hire you. I want you down here in August. And I'm thinking a year from August. So she came back and said, I need to see you. She sits down in my office and said, what's up? And she said, I'm going to be moving in August. I said, yeah, about a year from now, right? She said, no, August this year. I said, oh, she's going to be executive pastor down there. If she, that's right. If she had not, if she'd have said, it's too, it's beneath me, I can't be that secretary. If she'd have said, 
I'm worship leader. I don't want to be a discipleship pastor. That's behind the scenes. This is up front. I want this. She said, nope, I'm good with that. And then we said, well, why don't you go over here to Palmerton, a lot smaller crowd than this. She said, I'll go. She is completely ready to go do the job right now that God called her to do. If we listen to God, he has a plan that's beautiful. We'll get to, into some exciting situations that we never dreamed we could get into. He'll take us places we never thought we would go to do things we never dreamed we'd do. And he'll provide a resource. And now let me land this for real. Let me land this with this illustration. How many of you watch American Idol? This year, Pam and I watch just about every episode. We enjoy it. And a big dude from, from Hawaii that won, man, like, and he, he, he came out of the womb singing. I mean, it's like uh, Randy used to say, hey, he could read, he could sing the phone book. <laughs> He's good. So this year, the whole batch of them were tremendous singers. I mean, they were just one after the other. They just, they could bring it. Super talented, uber talented this year. But there was one, Megan Danielle. Megan Danielle, super, super singer. And Lionel Richie, you've heard Lionel sing, right? Lionel, he's trying to describe her. He said, when you sing, you tell a story. And the next time it's his turn to talk about, when you sing, you've got something in your voice. There's just something in your voice that is, it's just God has given you a gift. Now we're getting close. When Ryan Seacrest was talking to her when she came up into the finals, you remember this because you all watched, you, Carla watched Passage Why you know. Came up to the end. Ryan Seacrest said, you really, uh, you know, sung a lot about your faith. She said, her words, I came here to glorify God. He may take you to the big stage. He may let you go to the little stage. He may put you on the medium stage of life, wherever the stage is, not this, wherever your life stage is, in your great acumen of gifting, whatever he has given to you, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And don't forget, when you get on the stage of it all, <laughs> the American Idol stage when several million will be watching you, go ahead and say, I came here to bring glory to God. And one day, we'll all lay our little trophies and crowns at his feet, and we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, Jesus, take this effort, I pray, of a message from what I believe you have given to me and use it in a way that is more clear, better application to the heart and mind of every soul here. You've made us all so you know the force you want us to be in our communities and region. And even the world, I think you can affect the world through Cherryville and around. Oh God, be pleased to honor yourself, your name, bring glory to you in Jesus' name until we see you face to face. Amen.